Welcome to AZ Brandcast, where we love to talk about all sorts of awesome people and about the power of brand and how to build great brands in Arizona, um, our remarkable state that we find ourselves in. And I'm the host for today. This is Mike Jones, and I'm super excited to have Joe Ray on our podcast today. And he's going to be talking about art, creativity, strategy, Arizona, all sorts of really fun stuff. Um, and sadly, we are without Chris today. My beloved co-host is out of commission for the day, so we're going to be, I'm going to be hosting solo, so everybody gets that special treat today. But first, quick word from our sponsors, because we got to highlight the people that love us. <laughs> um, i got to mention our fantastic friends at AIGA Arizona, um, awesome supporters of our podcast, and we get to support them through a lot of initiatives that they've got going on. They're on a mission to promote design as a professional craft strategic advantage and vital cultural source, specifically here in Arizona. And they run and sponsor a ton of events for creative professionals and businesses across the state. And so if you want to check them out, be sure to head over to AIGAarizona.org. It's a great place to find uh, great ways to connect with creatives, uh, especially professional creatives who are doing some awesome work in all sorts of arenas like agencies and businesses across our state. All right. So Joe... I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. I know when I got introduced to you uh, at Phoenix Design Week, I was like, yes, this is somebody I definitely want to have on. Um, but before we jump into like super formal introductions, um, I thought we could start with a little uh, icebreaker question, kind of get our conversational juices going. So here we go. Um, if you had to spend the rest of your days in only one location, where would that be? It's a tough one. It's really hard for me to stand still in the room, much less within any <laughs> geographic location. Yeah. I think uh, the weather would have to be warm, not hot, not cold, and if it was going to cool down, it would be nice and crisp. I think wherever there are blue skies, plenty of outdoors, plenty of hiking trails, and people around for conversation, that would be it. As far as nailing down to one place, it's really hard to say because I don't have that one place, but I'm open to it. Any That's suggestions? Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if I've got any suggestions. I'm I'm pretty similar. I think I'd have a hard time picking one place. It is very hard. It's hard. Um, I think, I mean, Arizona just hits so many of the marks for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like Phoenix, but I, I am partial to northern Arizona. I went to school up there. My wife graduated from NAU. And, um, I think probably like Flagstaff or Prescott would probably be my top pick one place if I had to live forever <laughs> in only one place uh, it'd probably be something like that so uh, Arizona's pretty versatile there's a lot of yeah. somebody wants to describe it as the uh, the Arizona and it really has four faces hmm. where there's the western part of the state which is actually where I grew up okay. along the Colorado River facing yep. and then southern Arizona the borderlands eastern mining territory and northern, which is the high deserts, uh, the reservations, and the pines, hmm. cooler climates. So I think that is what the Arizonan looks like, somebody of four faces. Yeah. Or one face, four buttons. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a great way to kind of break it down. Yeah, we thought that visual was a really strong one when somebody yeah. first mentioned it to me. That's awesome. And I haven't thought about it in years still right now. <laughs> we, we talk a little bit too much about Arizona yeah. here, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> We kind of have a love affair, so. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, I'd love, Joe, if you want to just kind of introduce yourself, um, what you're up to right now and, and what you're doing and um, yeah, kind of maybe I'm, some background as to how you got there. Absolutely. And how I got there is really, is I think, a very good question. So I'm trying to figure that one out myself. <laughs> but my, I'm a prof- I like what you said earlier about uh, with AIGA, professional creatives. Mm-hmm. I would identify myself as a professional creative, not a designer, not a... Uh, necessarily creative director, not an art director. I'm, I introduced myself as a creative director, but I like the term creative individual, creative person, or professional creative, or just as a creative guy, that kind of thing. But uh, I've been in branding, design, advertising for many, many years, and I like, I use both sides of the brain. Um, for being a creative guy, being a visual, I'm also a painter, and yeah. But I like strategy, I like research, I like that part of the brain. But how does the psychology of the linear part work with allowing you to be creative and connect with, uh, with people, with their instincts, with, with their intuitions, and not only connect with them, but make them want to stick around, listen to what you, you have to say and see what you have, and more exploring what you have to show them. So that's kind of my analytical background, but as a, a, the other part is dig a little deeper for the surface, I'm a painter. I'm a, uh, I also write as well, a lot of nonsense stuff, but I think that's <laughs> part of the creative process, yeah. uh, putting words together and how to, what's the pictorial aspect of those, of those words. But uh, I love paint, uh, I love painting, I'm a printmaker as well, I've been involved with uh, Chico here in Arizona in okay. the Phoenix area for many years, and formerly Chico Indio. It's a uh, grassroots organization that really focuses on Latino artists, uh, mm-hmm. Chicano Latino artists, as well as Native artists. And with some of the other artists, I do a lot of mentorship and workshops uh, with other artists, younger artists, and it's kind of spreading the word of art. And I learn as much from young artists as they learn from me. If not, I awesome. probably learn more and get more inspired. <laughs> but I'm a creative guy continuously on the search for inspiration. Hmm. Where do you find some of that inspiration? Where are there places or things in your life that that kind of spur that on? For you? Stories, listening to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm bilingual, bicultural, bilingual. So there's everything has two meanings to me. So uh, not in the not in the typical uh, black, white, yin, yang sense, but a little bit more. There's a duality to things mm-hmm. that makes me want to dig a little bit deeper and find out a little bit more. And things are intriguing. Yeah. It's something that is. Uh, be really funny, or not as funny in English, it's much more funny in Spanish, or vice versa. There, so I think that those kind of stories are very important to me, and I like, I read a lot. And to me, the visual inspiration for, for me comes from the written word mm-hmm. because it's that story here, or hearing that narrative. And that's one of the things I enjoy about conversations with people is that you you pick up those visuals and you sort of fill in the blanks in your head there. <laughs> I think that's what visual people do, yeah. fill in those blanks. For us, for yourself, as well as brothers. Yeah, no, that's so true. I think in my own life, yeah, a lot of my creative inspiration has come from the words, or I find a lot of inspiration from lyrics and songs. Exactly, and, yes. And that kind of stuff. Yeah. Where, you know, in my head, I can see it. I can see the, the visual that I want to create. Um, it's not being forced on me through right. a visual medium. You know, it's being created in my head. Yeah, so, and it, it pushes your imagination to think a little bit yeah. more, and uh, to illustrate two, three, four scenarios inside your head, mm-hmm. as opposed to being presented with just one that you would be visually given yeah. online or came across <laughs> in any other form of communication. Yeah, 
Now, how long have you been in? You've been in Arizona your whole life, or pretty much? I was pretty born, much. I was born in Mexico, and I came okay. to the U.S. when I was three, and I grew up in Western Arizona, okay. on uh, near Parker, uh-huh. on the Colorado River Indian Reservation. Yeah, it's the Crit Reservation. Okay, I grew up along the Colorado River. That's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's always fun meeting people who aren't metropolitan Arizonans mm-hmm. by you know growing up right exactly <laughs> they get a little bit different perspective on what it means to be you know here in Arizona mm-hmm. it's not just the big city yeah There's a little more to it right exactly <laughs> snow is a good, good yeah. thing you hear some people say well people in Arizona don't know how to drive in snow and people in Flagstaff go yeah we do yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> idiots in Phoenix don't know, yes. to, don't know how to drive in snow so yeah, yeah there's a lot of that yeah those desert rats have no right. idea exactly. they don't even know how to drive in rain let alone snow yeah exactly that's when, <laughs> yeah that's when the lunacy parts come out behind the wheel yeah so um for you you know what is what is Arizona for you like if you were to kind of sum it up or put some words to um express um this place um I don't just mean like in the political sense of like a you know borders and boundaries, um, but in just a, a sense of place for you. Sunshine, sunshine, mm. dirt, landscapes, and not, uh, not dirt in the desolate garden variety, dusty dirt, in the, but I think colorful dirt because if you look mm. at sunsets, yeah. the dustier the the atmosphere is, the more beautiful and colorful and robust the sunset is, and the sunrises are also filled with a. Uh, colors, sounds, you know, that kind of come to life. Mm-hmm. And I think no matter where you go, uh, especially if you're driving, I've spent a lot of time through the years driving in different parts of the state, and when you're driving with the sunset behind you, mm-hmm. there's something very spectacular and very metaphysical. When you look in that rearview mirror, you see the sun setting behind you. It's like the end of the day, the sun is setting, but you've got this incredible array of colors behind you. Mm-hmm. And I always tell my kids that, just look, look back there. And really appreciate it. this is where you guys were born. This is where you've grown up. Take a look, look back there. They'll look and go, uh huh. <laughs> look back down, back to play on their phones. So, uh huh, yeah, kind of thing. So, yeah, I, I try to get them to appreciate that. And I think that's what, uh, to me, it's it's sunshine, the warmth, and mm-hmm. the light. And mm-hmm. I think New Mexico has a very nice light to it as well. Mm-hmm. But Arizona has that that certain light that is personally a little bit warmer. And I think that uh, also with Arizona, people are a little bit more, uh, I want to say, friend, friendly, warm, but also very, yeah, you stand like they all stand here kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> really get to know them. And yeah. in different parts of the state, you have different factions that have yes. just different, that different uh, feelings there. Yep, yep. I mean, it's a pretty diverse state it, in it a lot is. of ways. It really is. It's uh, it's interesting. I talk to people that don't live here, and and it's so often they they understand only one aspect of our culture or right. of our you know the people that live here, and, and it's probably right to some mm-hmm. degree. But it's like, well, yeah, there's there's a whole lot more right there to what's going yeah, on. Yeah, it's right to that to some degree, a couple degrees, but there's a lot more degrees yeah. uh, to us than what just is there. We're not necessarily just a role model for Alabama. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. Thank <laughs> goodness. Right. We're not it, just that. Exactly. Oh, exactly. man. Hopefully we'll never be there again. Yes. But, yeah. Um, so on, our, on, on this podcast, we talk a lot about brands from a business perspective. Um, 
But I'd love to just kind of hear from you, like, what what kinds of brands? It doesn't have to be companies. It can be organizations. It can be individuals. But when we think of brands as a sense of identity, um, what are what are some brands or kinds of brands that, that you think would be uh, really attracted to Arizona and find this uh, a thriving place for them? Or maybe could add to Arizona? Yeah, I think something that would definitely add to Arizona is... Uh, I like the idea of where we've been going with uh, the, the business leaders pulling in more for what we would call the smart economy. Mm-hmm. And I like that. When you get a little bit more of uh, people that, are, first of all, for their higher paying jobs, you get a higher educated uh, populace and workforce, but not just education in the traditional sense, in college grads and higher degrees, you get people that are a lot more curious and developing mm-hmm. stuff that matters. I think if you look in the biotech sector, we have, you know, to the West Coast, we have Bio Beach in the San Diego area, there. you have uh, Bio Bay, the Bay Area. Then you go up Northwest, you have the Bio Forest up there. And really, we don't, we, we never quite developed into the Bio Desert. I think we will get there eventually, but I know that that's part of an area that I've worked in in the past in uh, helping brands and companies in the biotech sector. But we're not there yet. So for the last 10 years, we've been hearing about this development of the biodesert economy. And that's great, but we're not there yet. And I think that can really thrive. I think ASU has done a very good job in championing mm-hmm. that arena. I think healthcare is another area. We do have very good healthcare facilities in Metro Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Tucson has got very good, obviously, because of the university down there. But traditionally, I think you see a lot of people, a lot of good health uh, care centers here in hospitals. And I think what came to mind was the reason that those were so good were the amount of retirees here. Yep. But I think it's also those healthcare professionals want to live in a place where there's stuff to do. Mm. Not just out, outside is great, you know, especially if you're coming from an area where you're freezing you know, five <laughs> months out of the year, and the other yeah. the other months you're surrounded by mosquitoes and you know, too busy thawing out or trying to stay dry. But here, but I think here it's not only the climate. But it's the culturally, what is there to do? You know, what can we do there? Because traditionally, unfortunately, traditionally, the whole sunshine thing has always been well, that's why wages are lower. You're paying for the mm-hmm. sunshine. Well, growing up here to me, that never had water. It's like, well, what, do you, what do you mean? You're paying, you know, this is we're doing other jobs, you know, <laughs> college and so on. And we're going, wait a minute, we, you know, doing construction jobs and labor jobs. We're going, wait, well, tell me again, we're getting paid less because of sunshine? Wait a minute, I grew up here. <laughs> you came from the Midwest. Why are you paying paying us less? You know, so it just, it's kind of that mentality. I think we, we have to get out of it. And I think as we grow, expand, but to do that, I think we need to invest more in education, mm-hmm. in our schools, our public school systems. We want them to get better. They're not going to get better until we start supporting teachers, we start supporting that education, and we start mm-hmm. standing behind it for the long term, because it's good for business, it's good for the population, and it's good for business today, tomorrow, and as we go forward there. Now, that's something I'm a very big advocate of, of because, again, if you want to have dialogue, uh, any kind of discourse with people, it's got to be an, a, a, an informed argument that you want to have, a discussion. And it's very one of the things I like about traveling is with those conversations you have with people that are well-educated, not in the traditional sense, but they know a lot. They, they have a lot of experience. We walk away going, whoa, that was enlightening. And I think that would be great when people, if people's experience was with dealing with all things Arizona and all people 
throughout Arizona, if they walked away going, wow, that was incredible. I learned something. You know, yeah. not just, oh, that was interesting, but really walk away with something that uh, created a lot of, that was very thought-provoking, that mm-hmm. created a lot of further thought and consideration. Mm-hmm. It kind of almost reminds me kind of going full circle back to what you started with of like how important stories are. Right. You know, and how telling our stories, our individual stories, is what makes up the totality of that larger story of, you know, this is a place, right? Absolutely. This, this is a community of communities. Right, exactly. And this is this is our story. Yeah. And it's the self-identification, the self-description of what, uh, what and who we are. And those stories are best told from our perspective. They have a genuine aspect. It's the, it's the real deal when you hear them from people that live it. Or even if you, you're telling a story, you know, think of any legends or whatever, they, the stories get embellished as time goes on. All you got to do is sit in a bar for half an hour <laughs> and talk to people. It's amazing how the yeah. story takes off. And I think real life is like that, too. That's what mm-hmm. makes it interesting. That's why there was just fact A, B, and C. Boom, you're, you're done. What's yeah. Okay, you got it, and you're, you're done. But when somebody tells you a story, even if you know it's a bunch of BS, it's still very intriguing. Yeah. Right? You stick around, you go, hey. And your buddy comes over, you go, hey. Tell them what you just told me, and, you're, and you know that that story is going to have a little bit of a, devi- uh-huh. of a deviant factor to it. There, as it, as it goes on there, and it just kind of you know you see that that gleam in somebody's eye. They go, oh, wait, like wait, like tell this one here. <laughs> and, and I think that uh, not that we need to, but it's it's not about lying, but it's about telling that story. And with those stories comes a sense of genuine pride mm-hmm. that people have. And I think Arizona has a lot of that too. Whether it's people from forget about people coming from all over, my, I think. Uh, Phoenix, especially, is very transitory. Yeah. Where people migrate to and from there, you know, you, you'll talk to people that have been here for 25, 30 years, and they're still still talking about back home. Yeah. And after a while, they lived here much longer than they ever lived back home, but yet they still support their cultural institutions back yeah. there. That's why the Cub, Cubs games are right. so well attended. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and the Cubs, I think the Cubs are, are great phenomenal. I mean, they're yes. great in that sense. When you look at what that whole thing has been there. There's no other teams I can think of that have that little ability yeah. to factor to them, no matter where they go. Yeah, and is, which is very, which is very fascinating. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's it's such an interesting cultural phenomena to have so many transplants mm-hmm. in one place, and um, it's always been intriguing to me as I'm a native. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents are not, but um, you know, having been born and raised here. Um, and when people meet me and they find that out and like, Oh, that's so rare. Right. And yet I know it's not that, it's rare. not that rare. No, really. No. It's not. It's just, I think we get kind of, um, closed off in our own sense of, of, you know, Hey, like I, I'm a transplant and I mm-hmm. hang out with other people from, you know, different places from here. Right. Um, and that's how I identify. Yeah. And I was, I was talking to somebody about that recently and I, I, I laughed because, uh, I said, well, I don't really know any Arizona natives that live in gated communities. Huh. That's an interesting, that's a really interesting thought. You know, think about that, right? Yeah. If you go to a gated community, I challenge you to find anybody that's native. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's, it's not really yeah. how uh, other, other than Metro Phoenix in the last It's a whole podcast episode just for that one. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it's, just, it's very interesting when you start looking at, yeah. at that. But I think that with... Uh, one of the things I really like about Arizona is how diverse the industries are, are getting. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, you look at uh, if 
I know there's uh, a lot of business interests want man want to bring manufacturing jobs here, and that's great. And you know, what are those jobs going to be? And we have a, we do have a lot of resources here. And you know, uh, traditionally the, uh, the was a four or five seed uh, season. It was on a copper, cattle, cotton, citrus. Was a four or five? There were five, and I always forget the fifth one. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's probably. It's, I think it was climate. Climate, yeah, yeah. exactly. There's that so that sunshine thing yeah. again. But you look at those things, and we have a, a lot of copper. And also, when mining for copper, there's a lot of other ores and minerals that are brought mm -hmm. out of the ground. And it is one of the heritage industries here. Um, and I don't think we're done with that. We're not done with citrus either. No, you know, they're not done. No, no. And I think. Uh, there's a lot, you know, Phoenix is a desert city, Tucson is a desert city, mm -hmm. and how can both of those cities become great desert cities on a global scale, not mm -hmm. on a national scale as well as globally. globally. Uh, one of the things I like about Arizona also is the commerce opportunities that we have with northern Mexico yep. as well, uh, with any parts of Mexico, but especially with the state of Sonora. The, uh, there are border, it's our yep. border, it's our sister, sister yeah. state there. It is. Yeah, and it's real, real interesting too because there's a lot of uh, cross-border business that goes on, and if you don't see it in Phoenix, it's probably because it's more active in Tucson. Yep, and it's going to be active in Tucson in the bankers' offices, the law offices, the yep. trade offices. It's done there in Phoenix. We don't see it. Therefore, we're thinking, well, if we don't see it. It doesn't exist. Yeah, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. So it's ninety minutes south of here. Yep. You know, it's good where it's going on. Yeah, which really is not that far. No, it, I mean it always, it always cracks me up, or I, I find it funny that, you know, our closest beach is in another country. Right. You know, exactly. <laughs> like yeah. so many people I know that just don't, don't really realize like the proximity factor with Mexico. I mean, it's we are, you know, we're their northern neighbor. Right. Um, you know, at least for a, a section of that country. Um, right. Exactly. But a pretty important section. Right. Oh, There's yeah. a lot of trade that flows through Nogales. There is, the yeah, so. and the, the borderlands are a very interesting area too because the people are different down there. The whole time, the, the pace slows down mm. as you get as you get down there. It just totally it takes a different. It's a different vibe altogether, and you know there's a lot of problems. Yeah, there's problems there, but there's also problems here in Metro Phoenix. And, sure, you know any any city in the U.S. So any any area, any region has those kind of problems. Has a variety of different problems, but. When you get down there, the culture is different. It's almost like a third culture has come together. Hmm. And I had a very interesting conversation with a woman a few years ago who interviewed me from, uh, she was calling from, was, I forgot what country borders of Turkey. She was there and we're talking about things. And one thing that uh, she brought up that I realized too, that we very much agree with, is wherever two borders come together, two languages, no matter where in the world you are, a third culture develops where those mm -hmm. two come together, yep. and it's not—it just—it's very organic. You yeah. know, the language is a little different. The, mu the music, the food, kind of has—it's mm -hmm. a very porous area there, and that's—it's like that anywhere in the world. And we are fortunate enough here in Arizona. This is just—it's not only you know, a couple hours away at the border, but that border—it it, that uh, whole Sonoran aspect permeates up in, into the Phoenix area here too. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've always felt that here. I felt it where I grew up. It's it's there. And the uh, Arizona influence also uh, goes down there as well. Yeah. And it's it's really easy to see. Either. Yeah. And it's if you don't know it, if you don't uh, if you've never experienced that, if you're a newcomer to the area, 
it's really hard for it can be really hard for you to grasp. Yeah, to grasp that. <laughs> yeah, and I think you have to if you're not from here, you have to work a little bit harder to see it. Right. Right. You have to kind of go out of your way mm-hmm. um, to be a part of that culture. Right. Um, you know, there's so many times where I mean, just growing up, I went to North North High School in downtown Phoenix, and um, you know, just seeing that like there's definitely these these you know these splits in culture right. in Arizona, especially in the metropolitan area of mm-hmm. Phoenix, right? Where there's kind of, and in some sense, like Phoenix is almost representative of all of Arizona mm-hmm. in some ways. Right. You kind of get all of the different aspects of our state in one place. Yes. Um, you get the rural agricultural side, you get, um, you know, the Hispanic culture influence, um, you get the transplant influence from other states around the country, especially the Midwest right. Right. Um, and California, yes, exactly. <laughs> which is in and of itself the, the you know, you talk about clash of two cultures right. and creating a third culture. There's that too going oh, yeah. on. There's like West Coast meets Midwest exactly. going on. And it's very yes. It's one of the most bizarre third cultures I've ever seen. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's really interesting too when you talk to people from Midwest who tend to be a little bit more linear. Mm. Uh, it's not a judgment or anything, just, yeah. but my yeah, observation yeah. is that it's, they tend to be a little bit more linear. And they'll sort of make fun it's of the whole California Protestant. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they'll make fun of the Cal they'll, they'll say something that seems very California, very woo woo or whatever. <laughs> What do, you, what do you mean? I don't get. I don't yeah. get it. And it's just odd. It's very different from. They're having a hard time uh, pinning it down lately. Yep. So they'll, you know, oh, for California. I go. What do you mean? As in, identify it. You know. So yeah. What's you know? It's just. It is pretty funny. Yeah, it is. There's so many times where I feel like we're a state that, or a, a cultural in our in our state where we're trying to, we we latch onto a lot of other cultures, mm-hmm. um, and still kind of. In some ways, struggling to find our own. You know, yeah. What, what's ours and what's not, not ours and what's theirs and right. what are we borrowing and what are we actually adopting? Yeah. You know, uh, we'll go for a few years. You know, being the cool kid. That's yeah. Got <laughs> you know new clothes. You know, also we're we're pretty hip. We're pretty popular. We're on t- on top of it. And then ten years later, we're sort of oh man, what, what happened? And then <laughs> a couple of years later, we're we're there again. Yeah. A friend of mine who's in. You know, in our field was uh, we were having this conversation maybe about two years ago, mm-hmm. and he's been in the field for over twenty five years as well, doing a lot of production. And he's labeled Phoenix the Phoenix market as being like a perpetual adolescent the, the market. <laughs> and, I, and I thought it was very interesting when he said, it. "I said, I don't know what what it is you mean I, I, exactly, but I like it." Uh-huh. So he elaborated a little bit more, and I'm trying to remember what it was he said, and it was along the lines of, "We are that adolescent that's really cool, very hip." And then uh, we're, we get very cool, we're arrogant, and then, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to marketing, advertising, branding, you know, we get on, uh, on, the, on top of our game, we're, we're creatively just very, we're as good as anybody out, out there mm-hmm. in our own minds, Yep. right? And then people that are really good leave, they have aspirations, they, they, they go to a bigger market, they go to LA, they go to New York, they go to Chicago, they, they go elsewhere and really spread their wings there. And then something comes along, the recession, some little economic blip there, Typically, it has to do with home building and development, one on one. Yep. Boom, and then all of a sudden, you know, uh, twelve months later, we're back to be, you know, kind of trying to scrape upward again. Yeah. There. You know, being this conservative, <laughs> you know, very uncutting edge feel. And then a few years later, we, we hit that stride again there. And he said he said that the perpetual adolescent. And I thought, 
Wow, that's that, that's a that's very a good metaphor. Yeah, exactly. I think it's pretty apropos. Yeah, and I thought about that. You know, I'm thinking, yeah, because I'm thinking of like in ten year spans there. I'm going, yeah, yeah. you're right. And I, I was, it was really intriguing. And he's a guy that's been, you know, and he's witnessed it also. And it's just one of those observations. It was not that judgmental, yeah. but I thought it was a really good observation. That's so make. interesting. I like that. Yeah, exactly. That's going to be something I think we might want to. We Explore. might dig into it some more. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. as we keep having these conversations, these different themes come up, and that's that's right. a really interesting one. I like that a lot. Um, do you think that that's something that we will ever graduate from? Like, is that just who we are, or is that just part of the process? I think it's part of the process, and it's also I think it's part of who we are. It's in our DNA. Hmm. You know, what point will evolution take over <laughs> and where we move on you know where yeah. we kind of outgrow that fate we no longer go through that phase there yeah. and uh that, that's a good that's a good question i don't know yeah. it's, it's who we are and i don't yeah. know if that's because of uh it has to be because of uh commerce because of, mm. of our industries and i think you look at where it was so and we still are very driven by growth mm-hmm. uh, realtors you know you look at how growth is measured uh, economically here and i think that has to change because mm. we're going to get the water. That's interesting. That's an interesting point. Like, what what do we measure ourselves by mm-hmm. often becomes part of our personality. Right. Yeah, because you look at some some uh, other cities across the country that are not as large as Phoenix, but like Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I think Atlanta is a great a great example. The state of Georgia, you know, the, the peach state or whatever they call themselves. <laughs> but, uh, they, I think that's right. Yeah. Um, and I've talked to people that are from Atlanta and that live in Atlanta or have lived in Atlanta. They love Atlanta. Mm-hmm. But like I said, well, they go, well, once you're out of there, you're, it's just, it's Georgia. And I don't know what that, they just said, it's very, it can be very backwards. It's just, it, mm-hmm. it, it can, it's for some people and for some people it's not. You know, so you're that metropolitan lifestyle that uh, they're, they're saying, you know, Atlanta is the place. But you look at the industry that Atlanta has. I mean, what, you know, they've got, uh, what's it, Coke, the Home Depot. Yep. Uh, they're starting to attract some car manufacturers. Yeah, and yep. there's a lot of uh, co- uh, commerce there. And uh, somebody had said, you know, going back to the ad thing and marketing thing, they said, well, how many global shops are there in Phoenix? I thought, hmm, darn. Yeah. You know, so we've not hit that. You know, through the years, we'll get uh, somebody that's like, the, you know, the, the uh, loan office there. You know, they'll set up shop there. You know, yep. it's a one-person office that just kind of service clients on the West Coast. It's, they're not servicing Arizona clients. It's just you know it's something easier to ha- handle clients on the West, or it's a, it's a field rep that kind of thing. But it was a very interesting comment they threw out. How many global shops yep. are there in Phoenix? And I thought about that, and I really don't think know that we have any. I don't know that we have any. And when we, it's been a while since we have. Yeah. Most of them have left. Right. And every once in a while, I'll run somebody that is working here for a, for a large agency that yep. they moved here from New York, and they really don't servicing they just they, they live here for the lifestyle and they're servicing clients on the west coast and that's yeah. that's it and it was just an, an, an agreement that they had so everyone's on what still run into people like that but it's mm-hmm. not an office per se yeah it's, it's a more just a remote location right, and exactly not really specifically for phoenix or arizona right but simply for a west coast exactly location in a Probably in a low tax state. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> we know how that works. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, that's really interesting. But one thing I do like though is that as we, it's who we are. 
But I think as it becomes, it becomes generational, you have people that are pushing the envelope and things are moving at the clip that things are moving at. I think that is changing. Hmm. And, you know, going back to where our DNA will evolve to, I think that is going to change there where people are breaking out of those traditional molds. And I think that the corporate set, the uh, industrialized mentality that it's industrialized and institutionalized mindset that has been that has been Phoenix is changing and it will change it will change so I think the more that people it's uh, youth is part of it but I think also that uh, as younger people come and start pushing that and youth is a very interesting thing too because Phoenix is a young city right mm-hmm. so just thinking about what our conversation has been here why do we think like old people? <laughs> right? Okay. Yeah. I right, think about that. It's interesting. Yeah, exactly. Other yep. cities have other established cultural institutions. They're thinking, yep. their infrastructure in place. Why? They're older cities. Yep. Phoenix has always been, well, we're a younger city. Right. Then why aren't we acting younger? Yeah, that's and interesting. That, why aren't we that much more aggressively younger? Yeah. That's really interesting. That one I'm going to have to think some more about. Yeah, <laughs> There's some homework. Yeah. Um, cool. I um, another question for you, and it's related. Is there a brand that comes to mind or an organization that's not here that you think would be um, either would would really find themselves thriving here or would really add to um, the community? Uh, Looking. Yeah, for something specific, maybe. Let's see, the first thing that came to mind was somebody like Apple, hmm. right? And uh, we talk about a real campus, not just a yeah, a, t- a token call center <laughs> or whatever. Right? Or, uh, we don't need another call center. Right, exactly, exactly. Uh, uh, Amazon, something like that. You know, um, hmm. going back to AIGA, you know, when I was at the, we were at Design Week hmm. and seeing. The, uh, the the creative director from Amazon uh, who was here, mm. and when she was showing photos of the Seattle uh, area, you know their campus, and you look at what's there, it's like, well, we talk about cutting edge, innovative companies. Why can't we get one of those? Mm. I think they would they would drive they would drive they would do very well here. Um, they're not seeing the potential. Yep, I don't know. Why that is? Yeah, you know, we see we're putting our best foot forward. At least our business leaders, our political leaders are. But uh, what is it that they say? They kind of look at us and go, "Nah, I don't think so." Yeah. So what? What is it? What's that stumbling block? But I think any of those companies would. And just when you talk to people that work in these companies like that, and you look at the Procter and Gamble uh, back in like uh, in the Cincinnati area, the CPG uh, brands. That are like that. Uh, what? Uh, why can't they be here? I don't. You know, I don't know. Why can't, yeah. can't there be a headquarter like that? And again, going back to Atlanta, you know, Turner Broadcasting, something like yep. that. Why couldn't they thrive here? You know, have we not thought of going after these companies? Have we no idea how to do it, or is somebody else giving away the, the store yeah. for free? I, I don't. I don't know what the answer is. But I think okay. any of those companies would. A uh, lot of those brands can thrive here. Yeah. You know, is it uh, the school system? You know, again, when you're or school systems, when you're going to move to an area, 
you're uh, uprooting your family or going to start a family. Yep. You know, again, that's one of the things we look at. What are the school systems like there? Yep. In what environment are we going to raise our kids in? You, know, you look at it generationally, not just opposed to half a, half a decade or the entire yep. decade. It's a, it's a multi-generational yep. growth. It is, for sure. I know there are aspects of our state that just struggle with that. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I think education probably being one of the biggest ones. Right. That so many outside companies look at and they go, well, you know, I've got to attract talent and I need to know that you're going to grow homegrown talent. Right. That we can, you know, build our workforce with in your location. <coughs> and I know that's been a struggle. Oh, yeah. And, it is. And Arizona is not uh, exclusive to that. You no. know, when you look at any state, rural areas, uh, once you get out of the metropolitan area, that, that is an issue. But we are a major metropolitan area. So what's yeah. our... What's our stumbling block? Yeah. <laughs> you know, what, what barriers have we set up without realizing it? Yeah. No, that's interesting. Um, something we've talked a lot about on this show it has been that. Mm -hmm. you know, like, what are these barriers that right. that keep you know innovation and innovative companies from putting down roots here? Right. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, that's interesting. Um, this one's always a tricky one. But is there a, an organization or brand who you think either, it might be a little bit harder to say, is here and should not be here? <laughs> or maybe there's an organization or brand outside of Arizona that, you know, would feel like that would not be, that would not be a good move for our community. Other than the clan, I really can't think of any other brands. That <laughs> hey, would be hey, that's here. a brand. Exactly. That's a brand. Exactly. And that's, yeah, yeah I'm with you on that one. I did a presentation one time talking about uh, ISIS as a brand oh, and, and, and the clan. And people were, well, wait a minute, how can I say, well, yeah, and it explained yeah. it a little bit. But, but I can't think of anybody that uh, shouldn't be here who is here now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think there's, I tend to look at the uh, glass half full as opposed yeah. to half empty. You know, I look at the opportunities. Not the what uh, can you keep out? I mean, we don't want uh, toxic um, mm -hmm. waste spills, those kind of things. You know, water is a very valuable resource. Mm -hmm. That's something we need to protect. Mm -hmm. And you know, uh, the, the environment, nature, ecotourism can thrive with industry. Mm -hmm. You know, how do we? How do both play well? How do they become good neighbors? Mm -hmm. You know, but I think. Uh, just being who I am, the uh, ecologically speaking, the environment is going to come is going to come first. But I think when you're looking at Metro Phoenix, I think there's room for a lot more mm. than what than what we have here. The one thing we have to be careful are you know the, the call centers. Yeah. Do we need like, do we want to be a city known for call centers? <laughs> you know, that's not where we want to be, not not where we want to go. We want you know, who are going to be the innovators that come in and push that class there where. And what's always interesting too are, this is going back to Seattle. You mm -hmm. look at the companies there, the Apple's nightly, it's their Apple's in uh, California, uh, Microsoft, the spinoffs, the people that break off there, the companies they yep. start up, start up also. You look at those, and they're from our perspective here in the Southwest, they are flying under the radar. But the, in the economic picture, they are not, they are they're on they're on the radar. Yeah, they are there. So how do we get those companies? Here? Yeah, you know, and it's uh, very interesting. Somebody had once told me with uh, local, locally, you know, with uh, business development, we're going, you know, as as designers, marketers, whatever, 
we're going after the larger companies, you know, going after the big fish. And we don't have that many big fish here. But what there's a lot of small to mid-sized fish there. And if we start getting small to mid-sized fish from other markets here, those are going to be pretty big fish. Yep. You know, really big fish. Yeah. And even and bigger isn't always better either. You get yeah. some of those that are, that are really good where people go, yeah, I want to work there. I want to yep. work for those guys. Yeah. And just the, they're the type of companies that really put us on the, put us on the map mm -hmm. in a very good way. And I think attract other, uh, other talent here as yeah. well. What are um, some, uh, maybe not homegrown brands, but definitely, you know, based here, put down roots here, brands that you know of or that you look at and you go, wow, those are, those are the kinds of companies or the kinds of brands that we should be highlighting and putting forward as representative of our community. I think we're really thinking of that one offhand. And not that they don't exist. I'm just yeah. drawing a blank right now. Sure. But some of the ones that come to mind that I see are the, uh, the, the tea company here in town and then uh, like Wildfire Bread Company. Mm -hmm. I've known them for a number when they started. I think companies like that that are small but that will grow and they have a, if you look at the, and the, how should I remember the name of the tea company that's uh, local here? And there's a few other smaller. Tea Espresso? No. Uh, no I didn't, I think, a little small stand, but. Right. But there's, and I wish I could remember who it was now. I think somebody, actually, I think somebody may, may have bought them out. Okay. And then who's the beer company that was bought out by Anna? Oh, yeah, Four Peaks. Yes. Yeah. You look at those but, uh, brands, but I think, uh, not only their growth, but what they do for their community. Mm -hmm. uh, each of those right now that we just mentioned, I know it does a, has done a lot of good things in the community. Mm -hmm. uh, their altruism has been very commendable. Yeah. And you look you look at that and you go, yeah, that's what being a good corporate citizen is. Now, are they large corporate? No, they're no. not. They're not. But they, they care about the communities that they live in. They mm -hmm. work here. The owners raise their families here. Mm -hmm. You know, they care about their communities, uh, not only today and tomorrow, but beyond that as well. Yeah. And I think that, and that's real important. We also want that kind of corporate citizenship. Mm -hmm. It's very important. That's good. Um, I'm going to switch gears just a little bit. I want to talk about art, mm -hmm. um, just because I know that's a big part of your life. Yes. Um, more in the, you know, the classical side of, uh -huh. of the meaning of the word. Um, but for you and, and just your connections in the art community here, kind of give me some of your thoughts about kind of where we're at as a, as a community, um, as a culture when it comes to art, when it comes to um, celebrating art, cultivating art, um, and all of that. Uh, I'm involved in the visual arts. Yep. So, and that's something, I, it's my passion, it's my love. There's a lot of, I think right now is very, is a very exciting time. Yeah in that field because there's a lot of younger artists that are mm -hmm. up and coming. And I think the term up and coming is always, I'm an up and coming artist also. You know, it spans generations. Yeah. Because as you switch mediums and disciplines, you're up and coming yep. there. And <laughs> you're never, when you really master something, as soon as you do you become bored, you realize that you haven't mastered a damn thing. <laughs> and you, 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 you continue. And that's something that, uh, well, one of the things I really enjoy about art is talking, sitting with other artists and, and talking about art. Mm -hmm. And a few of my friends that are artists also come from the design field. Not a lot of them, but a, a, uh, a few of them do. And what it boils down to is the difference between being a designer and an artist when you, when you are creating is it's getting your hands dirty. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And there's something about that's really rewarding about getting your hands or something, creating something with your hands compared to creating something digitally. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of young artists that are street artists who are doing some amazing things with aerosol. And you look at that, and if you've ever, do you paint? I, I've dabbled. Okay. I, I, I would yeah. not call myself a painter. <laughs> if, for example, if you're, if you're a painter or not, that uh, maybe has tried something that's maybe two foot by three foot, mm-hmm. average size or maximum size, if you're gonna do a wall that's you know 12 feet tall by 20 feet wide, that's scary. Yeah. I've never done anything that long. <laughs> I've done you know something like that was uh, eight feet tall by I don't know, maybe twelve feet wide, and it was really intimidating. I had no yeah. idea where to even start. It was it's very scary. I see some of these kids get in there that they know what it's going to look like once they get rolling. Mm-hmm. They may not have uh, the entire picture in their mind, but once they get going, they know where it's head, mm-hmm. where it's heading, and it's really cool to see that. That's really so when you cool. have this conversation with them. It's very much like they'll have their headset on and they're listening to music. They're just they're jamming away, and it's so it's very it's the inspiration there, you know. So yeah. it's the classical has become the hip hop <laughs> classical there, and it's very it's awesome. a full it's a full body experience. You uh-huh. know, if you look at somebody paint with either with a brush or with aerosol, and their full body goes into it. It's not just you know movement of the wrist. It's yeah, you know full full body. You know, ambidex- it's an ambidextrous approach to. To it, and I really like that. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of uh, there's a number of artists who also are visual artists who are doing performance mm-hmm. and vice versa. And you look at that, and I think that is really cool. And I think a lot of the street artists are doing a little bit more the ad lib, the impromptu type of performance, and that is really cool. Mm-hmm. You see that, and you're you know, it's it's not all I don't want to say no good, but it's not all my it's not. You know, see all my thing there. Yeah. But I look at it and I appreciate it. Yeah. And sometimes something is so bad you look at. I I try to appreciate it, but it's just not, <laughs> it's not cutting it. But you know, I, I commend the effort yeah. there. So there's a, a lot of that. I think there's a lot of. Uh, uh, I think effort is is a good, is a good mm-hmm. word. You know, you have a lot of people that have, that have no fear of attacking something, and I think the downtown Phoenix, I think downtown or parts of Tempe still. Are, nurture, are doing a really good job of nurturing those artists. Mm. And whether it's a space there or uh, whatever that may be. I was on Facebook today and I noticed that there's, I forgot that I had belonged to this group, uh, online uh, group on Facebook, this group that was called uh, Underground Phoenix. Uh, and it was 90, early 1990s era or something. Well, that's okay. their, their thing. And they're posting all these photos. And I was part of the downtown art scene right around the late 80s, uh, early 90s. And I think, and it was pretty cool to see this stuff. You look at it going, ah, oh, I recognize it. I recognize <laughs> and so many spaces that were torn down, yeah. you know, now we're the, the warehouse, the old warehouse district, which is now where the Suns Arena yep. stands. And then when uh, the baseball, probably Banquet Ball. Yeah, <laughs> it'll in. always be Bob. Right, exactly. <laughs> it'll, it'll always be Bob, exactly. When that came in, there were a lot of artists uh, setting up shop there, working in some really cool things that were that were going on. And you look at Art Detour and mm. where that has gone, evolved, and it's worked around a lot of development because a lot of the places that it started out as no longer exist. Mm-hmm. So this was really good because it brought back a lot of memories. And yeah. a lot of people that are part of that group that were shining in on stuff don't live here anymore. They're, yeah. they're in California, they're in Washington, you know, where, where they're, they're elsewhere. 
but you're looking at it, so it's just really, it's really cool. You go, huh, forgot about that. Yeah. And you kind of start thinking about these get-togethers that you have, and these parties, and it was just a, a, lot, a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, it was very, I, I want to say, anti-establishment. It was very <laughs> much uh, the non-mainstream mm-hmm. there. And I remember somebody described a long time ago, the cultural art organizations, whether it be music, whether it be performance or the visual arts, uh, tend to be supporting the SOBs, you know, the symphonies, the orchestras, <laughs> and ballets. And at the time, it was there was a lot of the non-SOB artists. And yeah. I think that there are still a lot of the non-SOB artists out there. And there's a, it has a whole identity to it. You know, mm-hmm. if you go, uh, one project that you probably have not heard of, it's called the, uh, it's been around for a few years, Calle de Cicés on 16th Street. And it stems from north, I think from Oak, okay. north of McDowell, it's along 16th Street up to, I think, maybe Osborne, around okay. that area. And the concept there was to paint murals, mm-hmm. uh, a partnership with, with artists, uh, community, neighborhood kids, and business owners, and, so uh, cool. and restaurants along there. And there's some pretty cool stuff I've seen there. some of that, yeah. yeah. And some of it is done in alleys, and yeah. not just in alleys, but along fences that face alleys. Okay. And a lot of these artists, like I said, are... They're aerosol artists, they're taggers that are really good at what they did, mm-hmm. you know, and then they kind of channel their energy. But there's some really cool stuff going That's on. That's really cool. There. Yeah, and I think That's it has really a sense cool. of identity also. And you go huh. down South Phoenix, and there's some uh, really cool things going on there. Yeah. That's such an interesting idea of, of and I mean, it's something I know it's not new in any sense of the, of the word, but um, that combination of, like, artists... Um, expressing themselves within the context of their community mm-hmm. um, within like you know that approved relationship with the rest of the community it's like right. hey we're going to do these murals it's not a it's not a pure like anti-establishment we do it on our own mm-hmm. um, you know with our fists in the air against right. the organizations who are part of our community but in collaboration with them um, and how that can become a sense of identity for everyone Exactly. Which is so cool. Yeah, and Tempe, uh, Aries and Tempe have done mm-hmm. that also with the public arts work, arts yep. department as well, where artists will go out there and there's 3D aspects in, in neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. You know, their walls are three-dimensional. And a lot of it was done with community, uh, community members as well as other people that were just that were just interested or fascinated with the project or invited by the artists to mm-hmm. come and participate and build something. And it, there's something really cool about going back to a spot five years later, especially if you did it with kids, yeah. you know, five, six years later, and go, remember that? Yeah. And there's, a, there's, a, there's that sense of, sense of pride there. Yeah. And that's one of the things that, as an artist, is especially if it's a piece that is part of a wall, a community, a landmark, maybe it's a neighborhood landmark, that sets the tone for a lot of pride for people. Yeah. That is so cool. Well, Joe, it's been awesome chatting with you. I want to give you an opportunity to just kind of share what you're up to, if there's anything that you want to share with our listeners, uh, anything you're working on or places that they can check out to um, see some of your work or get in contact with you. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, the latest project I've got, uh, actually it's a business that I started with my wife, and it's uh, OMG Pet Art, mm-hmm. and it's omgpetart.com. We are doing pet art. It's custom portraits for pets. You upload the photo. Oh, that's cool. And then she's doing the majority of the work. They're digitally painted portraits. It's not done with a filter. It's not automatically generated. Yeah. 
there's time that goes into this digital, this digital painting. So the final product that the customer gets is a, a, a printed canvas. Okay. And they go from you know 12 by 12 up to 20 by 20. I'm sorry, 24 by 24. So it's a pretty good sized canvas. That it's the mm-hmm. final product that you get in very vibrant colors. And it's been really cool. We had a phenomenal holiday season. That's Christmas awesome. Was, good. Christmas was booming. And we also have, within the OMG pet art, we're doing pen angels. Okay. And they're steel cutouts, laser cut uh, cutouts. It started out as a memorial uh, project for, memoriam for your dog and past. Mm-hmm. Or, we're also doing cats now. And you, you could hang this thing, this little steel sculpture, which is eight inches long, outside and under their favorite tree once okay. they're a dog or a window so they're looking out. So it immortalized the pen, mm-hmm. if you will. But people are buying them when they when they got a new puppy and stuff. So uh, it's gone from being the pet angel has gone from being a memoriam angel to being a guardian angel. Huh. So its spirit is there if it's passed yeah. on, or if you're got you got a new puppy, the spirit is there. So it's it's a protective thing. And part of the proceeds from the pet angel sales goes to Arizona Poodle Rescue. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So it's really good. We're uh, has a philanthropic aspect. To yeah. It, and it's. Combines our art, our design aspect, yeah. as well as our love of pets, especially, yeah. especially dogs. You've got all your passions wrapped up in Exa- one, exactly. one, one endeavor, which is awesome. Yeah, it's one of those things you go, man, we'll do this later. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's one of those things you go, ah, maybe we'll retire or whatever, and then probably, hell, probably never going to retire, so <laughs> why not now? If not now, win, right? Yeah. So, but yeah, it, it's something we're very That's passionate awesome. about. That's yeah, very so we're cool. strictly online and yeah. uh, pushing that. So I think 2018 is going to be a really good very creative yeah. way for us. So that's really one of the areas. Uh, what I do as a, as a creative is, in addition to maximal branding, is my creative outlet has been painting. Mm-hmm. You can see my work at joeray.com uh, or at the Chico Gallery, which is chico.org in uh, Phoenix, and then the OMG Pet Art. Awesome. So it's combining art and comics. Yeah. What was the URL for the for OMG? OMG Pet Art. OMG as in, oh my god, yep. petart.com. Awesome. And we'll make sure we have all those links in the yeah. show notes and Thank people you. can check those out. So. Yeah, we're doing a, there's a blog on it. It's an advice column. Oh, very cool. Well, written by a dog for the dog. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. So the latest one has to do with shedding those holiday pounds. <laughs> you know, people leave a box of cookies there, and you know, you, uh, your dog, you see it, and it's, <laughs> man, it's not, it is not your fault. That box of cookies should not have been there. I love it. Yeah. That's so awesome. Advice for dogs by a dog. That's awesome. I'm going to have to check that out. Dude. Awesome. Thanks so much, Joe, for coming You're welcome. on. It's Thank been you. a blast. Great. My pleasure. All right. Thanks, everybody. This is Mike from AZ Brandcast. You can always check us out online, azbrandcast.com. Be sure to sign up for our newsletter and get updates about all of our shows, as well as other things that we've got going on here in the great state of Arizona. Um, And if you've got any interest in being involved, whether as a guest or as a sponsor or just as someone wants to give us a shout out, um, hit us up. You can find all of our contact information on our website, azbrandcast.com. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you later.